you know, we start going, we're hauling ass there, I'm driving, and I pull up, and we just missed the shots getting fired, and uh, we pulled up, and the bad guy, had just he came out of the bank with an AK, shot at some officers that were hiding behind their cars, he carjacked somebody, took off, and then next thing you know, my trainer's like, well, let's go get him, so we're sitting there hauling down, ass down 12th Street, you know, and the adrenaline's going, and it's a pretty good little car chase, and I remember, uh, and it's the little things, you know, the, but I remember going down 12th Street, and back then, we the, the shotgun was kept on the driver's side, and I remember my trainer was like, give me the shotgun, so I'm driving, I'm trying to get it, and it's stuck in the steering wheel, we finally get it out, and, you know, nothing bad happened. Pretty, it was a good deal. I remember getting pats on the back, hey, good job, rookie, so that you know, my head got a little big from that. I know in the past 10 years how much I've seen growing. There's so many groups out there. I know there's a lot more people we have coming up, you know, that we have planned to talk to that, that deal with specifically treating the head in between the ears of officers. And that's it, very important. Um, you know, people out there listening, you know, we get there and they get to hear more of these officer stories about struggles and stuff they've gone through and stuff they've thought about. I hope that we can always let these people know there's always hope, that there's always a light. You know, you got to hold on to that light, that hope that there's you're going to get through the uh, bad times. I know you and I have talked about some things that you can have the hardest, toughest exterior, but you know, it's there's there's no telling what's going on inside someone's head. You're listening to the ATO Bridging the Divide podcast, brought to you by the Assisted Officer Foundation. Since 1999, the ATO has given assistance to the first responder community, and now we want to give a platform to hear their incredible stories. We also want to hear the stories of the many people that support us. Our community is small, but it is strong. We have differences. We don't always agree, and we all make mistakes. But together we can grow, we can heal, and we can learn from those mistakes. And together we can bridge the divide. Welcome to the ATO Bridging the Divide podcast. I'm Joe King. Today I have on a very special guest. I've been friends with him since January of 97. Uh, We both share our love for shenanigans and we are both in our mid-40s and we both act like we're eight-year-olds. He and I started the academy academy together in January of 97 in Dallas. He moved here from San Antonio, not knowing anybody, came here to become a cop. We graduated the academy. We had a lot of fun. Uh, he went to Southwest. He's worked Northeast Patrol. He's worked Operation Disruption. He was at the academy as an advisor, and now he works for the Dallas Police Association. I'd like to welcome on my good friend, Randy Aguilar. Randy, thanks for coming on. Glad to be here. Are you? Are you, though? (laughs) 
All right. It's going to be very hard to keep in a straight face through this. I wanted to start laughing when you were talking, but I got to. I know. I've, I saw you cover your eyes when I'm, when I'm, when I'm talking. Yeah, I didn't even really prep for your thing. That was really off the top of my head. So I, it was hard to look at. Uh, I couldn't look you, at you either. You've probably been, had that memorized and yeah. practicing it over and over. Well, you'll never know. You ready to dive into this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Randy, when you, you applied to, uh, for DPD, were you the only apartment you, uh, department you applied for? Yes. Um, back in uh, like late early fall of uh, 1996, DPD was down in San Antonio recruiting, and I was taking criminal justice classes down there, and, you know, they sent a flyer to the criminal justice classes, and uh, one of my instructors said, hey, go, go, uh, uh, you know, go through the process, see what happens, you know, give you some experience on how to apply for these types of jobs and what's going to go on, and, you know, next thing I knew, I did it for, for experience and interview practice, and uh, next thing you know, this was, man, mid to late October, next thing you know, January, like December, right after Christmas, I was driving up here for a physical, and uh, a week after that, I was hired by DPD, I started, and I didn't have anything to come up here, I moved up here with an apartment, the first week I lived here, I didn't have an apartment, I, the first night I stayed at Methodist Central guest room, my uh, I had an uncle that was in in ICU there, and my aunt was staying at the hospital, so I stayed with her one night. Wow! Then I stayed with his in laws one night. Then another family. Fr- it was crazy. I didn't. I remember the first day of the academy. They're asking, "What's your address?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't have an address." So, um, and I drove a little Volkswagen Rabbit up here, and I used to always laugh that in order to get up here, I had a fishing pole with a carrot in front of the rabbit to. I remember that me. rabbit. Yeah. So, but anyway, but here we are, and. Uh, that was a, my first week or two. The academy was pretty entertaining. Yeah, we, yeah. The, the academy we had so much fun. And I don't think looking back, we really appreciated what it was. I mean, we we became friends pretty quick, and and we had a lot of fun. We we did a lot of dumb shit, and you know, I I don't think I think all of us were just wanting to get out of the academy. We couldn't wait to get out of there, get on the streets, and do real work as opposed to. Running around with gun molds or or learning penal code or traffic code, we just we wanted to get the hell out of there. And I don't think we really appreciated the, um, you know, the friendships. I mean, to this day, you and I, one of my best friends, and um, I, I just I wish, and I and I hope young officers if they listen to this, it's eight months, it's long, and it and it's stressful, but I promise you, it is not any more stressful than the real world. And I just, I just enjoy the academy, enjoy the friendships, make friends, and start your reputation there, you know. And then that's going to follow you through the rest of your career, good or bad. And it's uh, it's hard to shake a bad reputation. Um, so, what was your favorite part of the academy, other than working with me in the academy? <laughs> you know, I, I think just. I think everything was fun. You know, the, I guess all looking back now, hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's been almost twenty five years. I think what well, the best part of it now, it was so easy thinking about it now, and I think then we thought it was so hard. But you know, just being there and learning stuff and making friends and um, the training. I don't know how good our training was because I think 
after that, like at 04, 05, I started training recruits. And I feel like they were so much more prepared. Uh, advanced. Th- yeah. Than for what we were when we got out of the academy. Now, you know, and I'm sure training is, I know training has gotten better. Um, and not that we were, they weren't teaching us anything. It just, I know things have evolved over the past 25 years since we've been police officers. Um, I can't imagine what it's like having to wear a body cam now. So I know that's got to be yeah. something different. But I know things have changed. But the friends and the fun we had in the academy, it was a l- so much easier thinking about it just because it was a lot of fun. Like you were saying, it's I don't think we took advantage of it enough. I kind of hoped it was going to be like police academy and I was going to live on some campus. You want to be Mahoney. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. because yeah, we knew we had our tackleberries and everybody else. But yeah, you know – it, it was McDonald good. was our tackleberry, I think. I think he was our tackleberry. Will he like that, though? Yeah. If he hears this? Oh, he'll love it. Okay. He'll love it. He'll, yeah. he'll slap me when he sees me next, but he'll love it. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, man, I, I looking back, and I was just watching our, our Academy videos and seeing, you know, McDonald, you and Webb, and uh, Salinas, and, you know, Flynn, and Kenley, all those, all those folks, and it was just, it brought back a lot of memories and, you know, made me miss a lot of things, and, you know, it, it's we're early twenties there. We didn't know shit. We we you know we we didn't know how to be adults, mm-hmm. much less be cops. We're given guns and 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 all these powers that the police are given and expected to wield those powers in a in a um, proper way. But you know, I just I, I look back and I miss that. I just wish I could talk to twenty two year old me and tell me to, to enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy it more. Yeah. You know, I used to always think about people always ask what it was like being young officers. And I always tell people, you know, we were 23, 24 years old, get on the street. Then you go to domestic violence call. I didn't, wasn't married. I didn't have kids, yeah. but I was expected to solve some married couple's problems, you know, and, I, and I'm sure it was the same for you. I'd, <laughs> I'd listen to what my trainer said and I'd just make bullshit up and say, okay, you know, this is what you need to do and become a counselor and trying to solve people's problems. But it was, uh, I always thought that was very interesting that I found myself in a situation in these Citizens were looking at me. Hey, Fix make this, this better. I'm like, I'm thinking about. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So we're just making it up as mm-hmm. we go. Anyway, I mean, you know, that's yeah. I know. And, and dealing with and dealing with people that uh, I had never seen some of the things. You get out there in the streets. You know, the academy. We're in the academy. It's, we pose as bad guys. It's You're con- a controlled environment. Yeah. yeah, it's controlled. It's stressful because you don't want to look like an idiot in front of your peers. <laughs> but that's really the worst thing that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get out on the streets. You're dealing with real people, mm-hmm. real problems, real suspects, and um, yeah, it, they're, they're not they're not your buddy trying to make you giggle during a scenario. They're real people that will hurt you if you mm. if you let them. I was always amazed too at three four in the clock, three in the morning, two in the morning at, at Hampton in Illinois. And just the amount of people just wandering the streets. I'm sure it was that way in oh, South yeah, Dallas yeah, when you went yeah, down there. Yeah. You know, it was, I just always, always amazed about how, you know, I was used to going to bed. I mean, I was, if I was up at two o'clock, it was because I was leaving a club or something. But then yeah. these people were just living the streets. And I, I always thought that was never slept. Very, yeah. Well, they had to sleep sometime. I don't know. <laughs> what did they? Now, that, when I went to Southeast, I it was, it literally was like, I really, there was, because I went, I started, my first phase was deep nights and, you know, and there's no street lights at work in Southeast and Southwest too. And you're driving around, you don't know the geography. And I really felt like I was in Europe. I was in another country driving around, and it was just. Were you on the wrong side of the street too? I was. I was. Yeah, yeah. I was. I, I had several wrecks <laughs> doing that. 
I got downgraded every every DOR. Um, so when you got out of the academy, you went to Southwest, and you you know I I actually I wa- I wanted to go to Southwest is because I grew up over there and I knew the geography so well, and you know you you went to Southwest. And you lived in Arlington at the time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so that was closer to you. Uh, worked out well. Yeah, it worked out great. Um, I lived east, so I didn't go in the southeast, but uh, I'm, I'm glad it happened out how it happened. But when you went to Southwest, what was that like for you? Um, I liked it a lot. You know, I didn't know where I wanted to go. I do know this. I didn't want to go to southeast. You know, from what I'd heard, I mean, to me, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was probably scared of it just because it was so much unknown. Um, but I now looking back at it, Southwest was very similar to, uh, where I grew up in San Antonio and probably, you know, cause where I went to high school, man, we were probably about a third black, third white, third Hispanic. Mm-hmm. So, and I think Oak parts of Oak Cliff could be that way oh, in yeah. certain areas. Now, uh, Southeast could have very well been that way, but I don't know. I think Southeast has always had a stigma of, you know, that was kind of a little more wheels off than anywhere else. But, I mean, I'm sure, but it's all the same. It's. You know, it just is. different, just different zip codes and uh, streets, and but everybody's bad people in one neighborhood or bad people in another neighborhood. It doesn't matter what what division you're in. Well, parts of Oak Cliff, there's some good. There's a lot of nice homes, big, yeah. yeah, big homes over there. And but you go like two blocks over, then yeah. people are getting robbed. Like, where the hell they're robbed in the streets? Um, yeah, I, I I love Southwest growing up over there, and I, and I really wanted to go there, not necessarily because I grew up there. I wanted because of geography, yeah. and geography is such a big thing as a rookie coming out. You don't know where the hell you're going. Mm-hmm. Well, I got lucky. Well, and the good thing about Southwest, everything ran north and south and east yeah. and west, as opposed to I think southeast was all fucked up. And yeah, same thing with northeast. When I went up there, I had to figure out. You know, there was a lake in the middle of the division, yeah. so I had to figure out a way to get around that. So it was always, you know, little things were off. What is? What do you remember most? Is there some incident that stood out in in Southwest that you remember most? Um, I was on training. I was on. It was days. I start off from first. So I think it went from. We go. To, we go first to third to second. First, it, it, first watch the third watch is days. Something maybe back it was with, jumbled up. No, it, some people went the days right off. It depends on. No, who, no, what but I, I started off from first watch, and then I think I went to third watch. Oh, okay. And I might have been third phase on days, and uh, it was kind of a cold morning. I remember that day. My trainer was William Wesley, and we were. I remember we were in Oak Cliff over there by the State Streets, kind of border south. We were, I was, remember I was chasing some freaking dogs around. Um, it's good police work. Yeah, some stray dogs, <laughs> yeah. wild dogs around a, a neighborhood. And then after that, we're leaving there, and I'm going over like Ewing, Ewing or Beckley near the zoo. Mm-hmm. And a, a bank, you know, the t- alert tone comes out, and it's a bank robbery in progress. And. You know, we start going, we're hauling ass there, I'm driving, and I pull up, and there's a uh, squad car parked there, there's an officer, I think his name was Danny Green, in uniform, hiding behind his squad car, and we just missed the shots getting fired, and uh, we pulled up, and the bad guy had just, he came out of the bank with an AK, shot at some officers that were hiding behind their cars, he carjacked somebody, took off, and then next thing you know, my trainer's like, well, let's go get him. So we're sitting there hauling down, asked down 12th Street, and uh, I'm like, fuck, this is real. And, you know, and the adrenaline's going, and it's a pretty good little car chase. And I remember uh, 
and it's the little things, you know, the how we chase him through the snow. He just finally wrecked out and caught him. But I remember going down 12th Street, and back then we the the shotgun was kept on the driver's side yeah. on the floor, you yeah. know, on the door. It was stupid. And I remember my trainer was like, give me the shotgun. So I'm driving, trying to pull the shotgun out of the Where's thing. you driving? To get it, and it's stuck in the steering wheel. We finally get it out. You know, nothing bad happened. <laughs> but it was a big incident um, where they caught him, so then... Since the police were shot at, no one was injured, thank God. But it was my first experience being with SIU. Mm, so they were investigating yeah. it, and I had to drive these old detectives around, like the exact route I took the uh, car chase. We we explained to the listener what SIU is? Uh, uh, Special Investigations Unit, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah and they handle, they handle like officer-involved shootings and then high-profile cases, too, they handle. Yeah, yeah and since this was, a, you know, this was a bank robbery. Yeah, yeah. And there had been a bank robbery there at Southwest like a couple of days Maybe a week or two before that, uh, Danny Avalos, still in the department, he's a mm-hmm. sergeant, and, mm-hmm. and I think his trainer was Boo Blanton. He's actually over at SIU right now. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. So they were they they just been in a they just got shot at too, but their car actually got shot where none of us got anywhere near to being hurt or shot at. Um, anyway, I remember driving them, you know, the direct, you know, like okay, tell us what you did here, tell us, you know, and I, and one of the things I remember cutting through, there was a backhoe. On one of these these little streets, and I remember I had to cut through a parking lot to get around it to go, and um, it, it was it was a good chart, you know. That was a big thing, so I felt like, uh, you know, getting a car chase out of the way early was a good thing because, you know, a lot of I think a lot of police work is the more you think about something, the worse things can happen when you just react and go and do. Yeah, you know, you kind of go with it better and it was it was a pretty it was a good deal i remember getting pats on the back hey good job rookie so that was you know my head got a little big from that and well most uh, everything you learn on this job is it's 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 experience based i mean you know think about it it's you run off instincts i mean and then nowadays honestly there's some there's some uh officers that have been out out in the streets for like years and they have not gotten car chases because our chase policy well the chase policy changed i can imagine I, i remember one of my trainers always said, well, we're going code three, just use this as a getting used to used to the adrenaline dump. Because I think one of the things too, no matter how much training you do, you can't ever no. you can't ever get that. You can go in PVOC and all the tri- driving stuff and you know, but it's a static environment. But having to actual get a, a real fear, real emotions because i mean i'm i don't know i've also been in car chases where i get out of the car then five minutes later i can't feel my right leg because i was so much gas and pedal yeah you know that my legs asleep because it was so much stress on it but it's uh but it was a good time it was you know and i think i was on the news i think someone in san antonio saw me on the news and <laughs> really? so it was a big deal yeah uh, you're a big deal yeah um so how many years did you spend at southwest um, I was I left Southwest in o three o two. I promoted a senior corporal and I got on a transfer list. This was all pre bid stuff. Then I went to Northeast and I started training there and uh, trained a couple of people. Then I went to Disruption. Yeah, it, that was the what was when dis, uh, what chief started Kunkel? That was Kunkel. Yeah. Okay, he started at Operation Disruption, and um, I remember that that was it was a lot of very good quality officers that they put together and kind of just describe what that was. We would go, yeah, we, you know, it was, uh, at the time we had lots of cops, you yeah, know, it was big. Like, yeah. yeah we, the department's really big and it was growing. So they were able to do these things. And we had, uh, there was a third watch and a daze. 
and uh, there's probably 30, 40 on both. Yeah, uh, you want to have that too. Yeah, there's, yeah, there was probably 60, 70 people over there. And we were able to go all different hot spots all over the city and just to go saturate an area. Um, the group I was in, we did a bunch of uh, knock and talks, working drug complaints. Other not, other places, we just go and, you know, uh, work an area. You know, I got exposed to South Dallas, and I don't know how you guys survived South Dallas where, you know, I'd spend a couple of nights, and I'm like, good gosh, this is suck the life out of you. I don't know how people... Yeah, it's, it's horrible. It, it, it is, it's... Uh... It's depressing. I, I you know I think so because I'd hear stuff about how just miserable some of you guys at Southeast was, mm-hmm. and then I went there. And I was like, oh my god, I can't imagine being. You know, Southwest was okay, but when I went to Northeast, I was like, oh my god, people like us. Mm-hmm. Um, good places to eat. Good places to eat. I can get a fifty without what's a priority one two call holding to where they wouldn't do that. I was I was kind of in shock the first time that happened. That uh, you know my first day over there. Somebody, t- I was riding with Sean Mosey. Hey, no, go ahead and mark out. I said, there's a call holding. And it was a 4001 or something. And she goes, no, go ahead. They'll say it. And I asked, and they said, okay, yeah, where are you going to be? And I was like, if that were Southwest, oh, there's wouldn't. no way they would have let us eat. They would have made us take, oh, you're clear. Take this call before yeah, you eat. Yeah, you have to go call. It, honestly, it's pretty bad right now. Yeah. Uh, there's a shortage of officers. Um, when you left Disruption, you went to Northeast? I went back to Northeast. Why did you leave Disruption? You just get kind of um, it worn was, down, or it was. It, I think it was time. I think they were sending people back. And, oh, uh, I got you. Okay. I think um, my partner, you know, our classmate Chris Webb, mm-hmm. went to SWAT. I was there for a little bit. People, and then I was like, "Yeah, I'm ready to go back." And I think they were changing things, and I just I was ready to go back to um, patrol. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember it, went, it started off with a great mission, the disruption, and it um, it started changing. Over time, there were there there was just some incidents that happened that started, you know. Then they started realizing, damn, we're short on patrol, and yeah. they started sending people back. Yeah. So when you got the northeast, you, you talked about the just way different geography and and just the uh, you got nice homes, you got some in, influential people that live there. Yeah. Great restaurants. Yeah. Then you got some really bad crime ridden apartments. I mean, they, they're just. It was the, a lot di- working yeah. different because there were so many apartments. Where Southwest, there was a lot of homes. Here, it was having to work work apartments were a little bit different. Trying to watch because there were so many hiding places and. Well, the apartments bring up crime in any in, in any division. I mean, you got because you got such a diverse group of people sitting in one. They're in one place. You got good people and bad people, and then some people are just opportunists. Yeah, and, you know, and then they kind of will prey on each other. Um, how long did you spend there? I was there until September of uh, 2010. But while I was there, too, I spent uh, nine months at the academy. I was a class advisor for class 306. Mm-hmm. And I, I really enjoyed that. Um, my ex-wife at the time was pregnant, and she was a principal in Oak Cliff. So we carpooled together. Um, it was just really convenient because we were both in Oak Cliff. We'd drive to work together. I'd work out and run. And um, my plan was to go there and kind of study up and get ready for a sergeant's test. I, but I don't think it ever worked out that way. So you, You've told me that the, the academy was your one of your most rewarding I think, uh, spots. I think it was a lot of fun. There's a, I had a pretty good class. There were some knuckleheads in there, and they knew who they are. But there were, there were a bunch of good people that are there now. Um They've all done good stuff. 
you know, they they probably been on the department longer than I have now, mm-hmm. or getting close to it. Um, but I was, you know, I really enjoyed doing that because it was it was very fulfilling, you know, um, doing things with them and learning stuff and um, well, mentoring too. You're yeah, mentoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. It was uh, it was it was interesting to see how much more training they were getting than what we got back then because yeah. Well, everything, I mean, everything evolves. I mean, it's like, look at the computers we had when we hired on, and then now, <laughs> the, what they have now, and then she, the body can't. I mean, it, and then the old academy, I hear there was some, some of them were just like a matter of weeks, you know, and, and then here we're on eight yeah. months. Yeah. And I think it's still the same now. 33 think, weeks, maybe 36. Yeah. It's a long ass academy, yeah. but it's, it's, you know, I've had people leave the department and they go work at other agencies and they just they still say Dallas has great training. I mean, it, and you just got to look at it comparatively speaking for the time, but it, you know. Well, I think if, you know, we've had a few podcasts already and I think it's going to, you know, those guys have talked about how well, you know, they trained that they've left. So yeah, I wasn't supposed to say that, but, um, you know, it's, no, it's good. Uh, you know, it's, you know, they've, they've gone and I know we've had good guys leave here and they've, you know, we've got, I've had friends or guys who worked with at Southwest went to the, Secret Service, you know, to the marshals, to DEA, to FBI. We got a classmate that's in the, you know, an FBI mm-hmm. now. You know, so it's. I know people. It's a stepping stone here, but I, I never had any vision of doing that shit because I don't want to go through another stupid academy. And yeah, yeah. It, so when you you told me when, when you when you were at the academy and and they got you they got you something right when they graduated. Yeah. Tell me about it. They got me something. Yeah, you said they got. I thought they got you like a gift. Yeah, well, it was a gun. Or they tell well, me they, they give you. A, yeah, the gun. Yeah, you okay. told me about the, yeah. yeah. Or I, well, I, I thought they got you a gun. Huh? Yeah, like a little little mini Glock. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Oh yeah, yeah. Usually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, where's he going with this? <laughs> well, no, because usually they, they get the class. Of, I think did we, we didn't were, get our guys. We shit. didn't get him anything. Yeah, no, we didn't get nothing. Yeah, because I I think things changed. We were I, poor. We didn't yeah. have any money. Give me money. Yeah. So well, hell, we were fighting over goddamn. Uh, flashlight holder with trying to get one person to yeah where um but yeah they they were they were good to me they took care of me they got me you know even too my daughter was born in there and they got me a nice um little basket for her when she was born um you know and i and then when they graduated they gave me a they all put in money and i got this little pistol little glock you know and i sometimes i don't know if i was thankful enough to them or expressive enough, but I was very, I, 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 and I think about that now, I think some, if I probably was speechless at the time, it was because I didn't really know what to say, but it was, it was great that they did those things for me, but the, you know, I always looked at those, all them, there was 30 plus kids, you know, as they, I thought of them as my children, just because, you know, I cared for them, I, you know, taught them how to be yeah, just a regular person to be and how to be a cop, so it was a, uh, you're kind of like a time. shepherd role. Yeah. yeah. Do you have contact with any of them? Oh, yeah. I still, you know, Good. thankfully working here at the DPA, I get to see bunches of them all the time. And, um, you know, it's, they, they've been they've all been good, too. And and that, too, I, I'm pretty proud of the fact. I think, man, five or six of them have been cop-cop nominees. So um, I think that's it's worked out really good. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to your daughter, Belen. <laughs> Hopefully she listens. She's a sweetheart. Uh, she's a hell of a little athlete, and she's a good kid. Thank you, thank you. Looks just like you, except she's actually pretty. Yeah. Um. So you know, I have to tell. I have to thank you uh, for pushing me on this podcast. Um, there was times where I was just gonna 
walk the hell away. And just it was a lot of work getting off the ground. And then some other things come up that I was just going to just say the hell with it and throw in the towel. And you you basically told me don't with some something effective don't be a stop. I'm not going to say it. We don't you say, say it because no, no, I'm, I'm not even going to compare it to John Gruden. But yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah nobody. And I never yeah. said any of those things, but I just. Yeah, you you, know, you told you told me don't be so a, many a, words. Yeah, don't be a something, and it yeah, and I took it to heart, and I said, you know what, he's right. I'm going to work on this, and you have supported me in this from the get go, and pushed me actually, because it, it's easy to sit and be lazy asshole and 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 not follow through with something, you know. Yeah, um, I think eventually. You know, your listeners don't know this, and I have plans, but I think we're going to have to reverse this whip and have you, I want to be able to interview you one day. And I think these listeners need to know more about who you are and how we'll see. we are here. No, and there's no <laughs> we'll see. We're just going to do it, and maybe the guests won't show up one day. But. Yeah, well, we'll see about that. We got some other, we have some really good guests lined up, and maybe eventually. Um, so the a vision of, of this of this podcast is is talking about critical incidents. And anybody that listens, pays attention to the opening, knows it's about mistakes and growing and learning, right? Um, and we all make mistakes, and together we, from, we can grow from these mistakes. And that being said, I want you to explain how you work in the DPA? Um, there's a long version, a short version, a medium version, and all kinds of versions I can give you. Back in like 2007, 2008, I started, uh, I got on the board here at the DPA. Um, I came to a PAC interview where they were doing some interviewings for people for city council. And then around that time, Northeast needed a director. I became a director. And, uh, so I was a director, uh, and every year we host a conference for or a hospitality night for Crimes Against Children's Conference that year. And um, one night, volunteer leaving here, I was driving home and I'd been drinking too much. I had a wreck. Um, I drove off from the wreck, got caught, got arrested. Um, about a year later, I got fired, and then right after I got fired, I had to go to court, and I wound up pleading guilty, and, um, uh, you know, and then, um, that was in, like, October of, no, I'm sorry, September of, uh, 2010, when I got fired. I worked a temporary job at, um, Metro PCS doing some compliance you know for the court orders and stuff searching for uh bad guys's phones so they can get uh warrants and phone calls and records and stuff and then that was done i knew i was going to go back to school and uh it was like Jan this was january 2011 i came down here to eat lunch one day with uh the president at the time and the treasurer and and it was glenn white ron pinkson and frederick frazier we went to go eat lunch and I told them what my plans were, and then that was a Wednesday. And then that next day, um, the girl that was working at the front desk, Tara, did, Tara yeah, she didn't show up for work. 
And it was about 10 o'clock. Ron called and said, hey, I know you don't have a job. You want a job? I said, well, you know, I'm going back to school, so I want it to be flexible. He goes, you know, we'll do whatever you, you know, we'll work around your schedule. You know, we'll make it work. I was like, all right. So that was January of 2011, and um, I'm here. I don't, I didn't ever planned on being here 10 years. Um, it, you know, I was meant to just be here, uh, get, finish my degree, which I did. I had to finish up a couple of classes at Collin County. Then I went to UTD and graduated there in uh, fall of, uh, 2013. And things always happen. I remember used to joke with the girls here in the office, uh, you know, if I'm still here in a year, things have gone drastically wrong. And, um, I don't know if they've necessarily gone drastically wrong or they've just gone maybe right for whatever reason and I'm still here. So um, right after that, I got divorced. I think that probably, I didn't feel like leaving after that. So this place has been a home. And that's a comfort zone. And, yeah, it's, and, it's very, yeah. very therapeutic. Um, you get to talk to officers all the time. You get to help officers, you know. I think uh, it's very uh, cliche to say, you know, you become an officer to help people. But, I mean, I truly had a servant's heart, you know, I, I, uh, enjoy being able to talk to people. And, um, since my DWI, we've had a lot of, there's been some changes. Um, right after that happened, the DPA started a safe transportation program for officers. If, uh, they're, you know, they leave work. That's pre Uber. Pre, uh, yeah. It's all pre Uber. So this was in 2011, 2012. And this was kind of in the works even before I got fired. Um, you know, to where you go out and like, oh, shoot, I drink too much. I'll call a cow. You know, we had a deal with Cowboy Cab. They'd come pick the officer, take you, pick you up and take you home. They wouldn't take you to another bar or party. And then they'd build a DPA. Um, it was a pretty successful program, but officers still got in trouble. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, drinking is, you know, you first thing you lose is your uh, ability to reason. And Yeah. it. You know, one reason I, I wanted to have you on here, not, not just because I uh, love you, you know, dearly as a friend, but I, there's a lot of officers that have gone through the same thing across the country. Yeah. You read about it all the time. And you you working here at the DPA, we have, we provide uh, basically legal, we, we provide lawyers to officers that, that uh, make a mistake and, and, and get arrested or get some uh, complaint on them or whatever. And you see a parade of officers that come in uh, weekly, I would imagine, yeah. and they have similar incidents that that's yours, and or or something way worse, yeah. and 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 they uh, they go through the legal process just like any anybody else. We have there is a due process for everybody, and everything works out fine. Yeah, and just to be clear, we don't. If somebody gets arrested for DWI, they don't get an attorney from the DPA. They got to pay out of their pocket for that. Okay. Just, just so you know, yeah, that's okay. not that's not part of the legal coverage here. Okay. Um, now, if it's something duty related, yes, you'll be yes. covered. Now, if it's something you you screw up off duty like I did, I had to go mm -hmm. ahead and hire my right. attorneys for that. So, um, going going back to your going back to you getting arrested. Uh, that's a it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about, but it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of the things that people go through, you know, and. It's. I remember when it happened. I heard about it, and I just felt like just shit for you, you know. Because there's been other that we had other classmates that get that got in trouble too, you know. I, a lot of officers they 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 you know a lot of people drink, 
mm-hmm. but the daily shit that we deal with and see over time and coupled in with personal life yeah it, it adds up and a lot of officers they uh they need release somehow they they have they they find an outlet to have fun and and different people everybody's different yeah right and you know there's there there's been times i've been out having drinks you know and to, and a lot of people do it to cope and you just we're all human. Yeah. That's what everybody needs to remember that even though we've gone through all this training, we we've sit in an eight month academy, we, we know how to handle firearms, we deal with suspects daily and we learn from experience, but we still are human. Yeah. And all humans make mistakes. We just have a very unforgiving profession um, when it comes to things and, and we're scrutinized like no other. And it's just part of it. You know, I'm going to say this too. Might might need to be a very popular opinion, but I think we should be scrutinized because we are. We are held to a higher we standard. Are, yes. we, we should be held to a higher standard because when you're a police officer, you have, you're able to take away somebody's rights. So I think that's very important. People know that, you know, we, we need to be held to a different standard. But, you know, sometimes there are some privileges that come along with that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, it happens, and it's just not very forgiving. And you know, it's you know, I don't, I don't have. I mean, I got all the stuff I can say about that, but it is what it is. And yeah, it, and I've never blamed, in, I've never blamed the system or the department. You know, it's been my, it was my choosing. I did all that stuff, so I, I feel like I've owned it. You have owned um, it all these years. You've, I, and I'm not going to say I was. <laughs> that night, it was not for a coping anything. It was just because fun. It was yeah. just, a, it was just a fun deal. But I know. I don't ever give that as an excuse because, you know, like I said, I there's there's different mechanisms now that mm. you can – or different outlets that you can use to, to to do things better. But I know things have changed over the past 10 years with coping and, and um, different things. Um, well, the, the night you're arrested <clears> – <throat> would, you, would you explain that? I mean, how, what, I mean what, what went through your mind? I mean – <laughs> What you know, I can't. You know, fear. I mean, I was scared. I was like, because I knew I'd fucked up. You yeah. know, it's, you know, uh, I was man. I was real close to my home, my house, and I, I hit a poor girl that was in a rear end of her. Got out. And she was fine. You know, she wasn't dead or anything, obviously. And you know, she was okay. But it turns out she was drunk. She got arrested for DWI too. I don't know if I ever told you that. No, I didn't. You know, and I felt guilty about that. We we're just two dumb drunks trying to get home, and I screwed that up for the both of us. Um, yeah. You know, it was fear. Even after I drove off, I was like, "What the hell did I just do? What am I going to do?" And I remember uh, being at the hospital. They were doing a blood draw, and the officer she let me call. My wife at the time, and that was a shitty, shitty phone call. Um, you know, and it, it, I don't think our marriage ever recovered from that because I think it put a lot of stress on us, but you know, um, it the happened. Domino effect. Yeah, it was yeah. one of the things that started certain things going a certain way that it just happened. So, but it was tough. I mean, I remember, and even after that, the biggest stress I had was hiring an attorney. Um, coming up with money to pay for an attorney. I remember watching my video 
And even I remember sitting in the back seat of the, the car in Plano, and a Plano officer came up to me and asked if I was a police officer. I said, "Yeah," and you know, kind of gave me a pat on the back. And you know, but I, you know, it's like I said, I can't change things. Things happen for a reason. I believe that. Yeah, we're getting um, to those reasons of what you've done since then. But I, I wanted to, I wanted the listener because there's a lot of officers that have, that have gone through this, and a lot of officers that have gone through the system, and it worked out well. And 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 they uh, they go through the system just like any citizen, and in the process, and it works out. And they get their job back, and they learn a lesson. They continue on with their career, yeah. and, and, and you see it all the time. Yeah. And uh, you know it did not it did not work out for you like that. But um, I want everybody to to you you can if people learn from their mistakes. And they make the most out of their mistakes. And, and you, you said before you had a, a servant mentality. Well, you know, after that happened, I, I was lucky. I got a phone call from an officer that had been arrested and was about to get fired for DWI. And he's, the first thing he told me is you're going to find out who your friends are, and which I pretty much did. I got a couple of phone calls from people and I talked. But, it, but him, I talked to him a lot, and it was really good. And then after that, um, after I got fired, when I started working here at the DPA, Man, I probably called a dozen officers and said, you know, let them know, hey, this is what I went through. You know, pre- prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Um, you know, and I, I know for some people it's helped a lot. And, you know, a handful of these people have gotten their jobs back. Um, there's actually somebody I need to call right now that just some, he, that something happened a couple of weeks ago. I need to give him a call. Um, but I know it's... When I've seen them, they most of the time I don't know any of these guys, but they'll say thanks, you know, and I'll spend you know a good amount of time talking on the phone with them. And some of them are in a bit of denial. Some of them are handling it better than others. Um, but That's just, anything. I mean, yeah. but he, but I think they probably appreciate it more coming from you because you lived it. Well, I I've, I certainly appreciated getting that phone call I got. So that's yeah. why I you know figured I need to want to pay it forward, you know, and yeah. and I and. I couldn't help officers anymore, but or citizens anymore. But the mindset I had after that, and since I've been here, it's like, well, you know, since I couldn't, I can't help citizens. I need to help the people that help the citizens. Mm-hmm. And if I do whatever I can to, you know, working for the ATO, raising money, uh, talking to them, making sure things run smoothly here at the DPA, I'm gonna. I figure I'm paying it forward to where other people don't have to stress about certain things. So. Um, I owe the DP, I, you know, I feel like I owe the DPA a lot just because it's been a second home for me. Um, you know, I've slept here many nights. Um, I've had many meals here. You know, like I said, this place has been good to me, and I, I've, I work very hard paying it forward to anybody and everybody. So, well, going going on that, I I want everybody to know that the D, the Dallas Police Association uh, and and the Assisted Officer Foundation they have. We have several uh, events throughout the year for officers and also to, and for fundraising for the uh, the ATO. There's probably not any event that goes by that you don't have a hand in behind the scenes and working your ass off to set up and to contribute and, and planning and organizing. There's a lot that goes on in all these events. And you work your ass off, Randy. I, I see it. 
you talked me into joining uh, the ATO uh, last year, and I was going, eh, I don't know, I don't know if I, you know, if, if I'd be any good at that. You talked me into it, and and, I, and I'm glad you did, and I, I get to see you a lot more, and uh, you know, and I think that you know, being here and and, and working with you is definitely rekindle our friendship because you go to different parts of the city and work and, and life happens and you kind of, you know, it, people sp just separate for a while, but I, I'm, I can't, I'm so grateful for you and everything you've, you've done for me just in a short time I've been here. Yeah. Everybody needs motivation. Yeah. And, and you're my motivation. Yeah. I think you can get some better motivation, but I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I don't have many friends, so. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't I have none. Yeah. Um you're one of my best friends though. And and you know and what you do here and and working with, you know, Jennifer and Vicky and um uh, y'all work your ass off. There is so much behind the scenes that need to go on to make this place run. And you you're there's not an event that goes by that doesn't have your your fingerprints on it. Well, one of the things I've always I don't I like to say I got it from my parents. I can't necessarily where I got it from. I'd like to always think that, and I think maybe the elder Bush, first president, George Bush, uh, might have said it. You know, you always want to, wherever you go when you leave it, you want to leave that organization or the world or wherever you're coming from in a better place than what it was when you got there. And um, I feel like I probably did that with some of the people I trained on the department that are doing good stuff. And especially here, we've grown exponentially from everything that happened in um you know probably the first thing that made us really start growing joe was carmen ortega yes when, speak on that. when she you know she was a an officer at southeast she had cancer and was battling that and, very young yeah and there was a lot of all you know that, that that spawned our cook team and our cook team you know they they you know they started just doing a bunch of fundraising and barbecuing for officers you know, anytime they're sick or fundraising events, you know, that, 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 that thing's grown. So I've been able to see that happen. Um, and then, um, probably right after that, another big thing that happened was this, uh, spouses group. Um, it was, a her name's Christy Delgado. Her husband's since left the department. I think they moved to Colorado, but she, they were in the military and she called up here one day. They wanted to have like an, an auxiliary deal for like a, wife's group like that's in the military and you know i answered the phone and i always had to deal with her and you know i'd mess around you know mess with her about how that was going to work and not and um but i've been able to see the spouses group grow you know that uh even though i don't i don't have a spouse in it but i think they're all my little hens because you know they've been uh Halloween and Christmas and different events. You know, I've been there watching them grow, and I couldn't be more proud of them. I think I take a lot of pride in the stuff they've done because they get a lot of stuff done. Um, COVID's kind of put a damper on some of their events, but they do great things, and uh, um, they're pains in my asses. But I always joke with them. I said, once I leave the DPA, y'all are probably all going to get divorced because y'all's husbands are going to have to deal with y'all since I deal with them so much. Yeah. And, <laughs> You know, that's mainly the, board, the girls on the board, and they'd probably know if they listen, they know who I'm talking about. Um, but it's, you know, like I said, there's certain things like that. Uh, you know, like I said, I just getting to see things grow here, I think. And then after, 
just little dominoes of things that happen with the cook team and Carmen Ortega, the, the spouses group, and then what happened with 7-7. Seven, seven, I, I don't think if it weren't for the cook team or just certain things, how they happened, and then that spouses group, they were vital to stuff we did after the funerals, you know, because it was, you know, a lot of those oh, yeah, girls could have been dance. their husbands that, that, you know, any of them, you know, so it was, uh, you know, it was really interesting to watch and see how that all unfolded and um you know I, I was glad to be part of it um i was talking to a retiree today on the phone and he was we're talking about historical events on the department we think it are just events but then i you know there's so much historical events that are happening while we're here that we don't realize maybe in the moment how big a deal it is you know from working the couple of days after 9-11 when that happened and then yeah. working um I was in disruption during Katrina and we had to unload all these, you know, the, all the evacuees off the buses, conventions, you know, seeing those pe poor people is just heart wrenching, you know, seeing people just, you know, with one shoe on getting off a bus, just carrying a sack of whatever was in there that they could bring with them. Um, and then hearing the stories that they talked about from being on the bus ride, from being stuck in the Superdome and, you know, in New Orleans and all that crazy things that they had to do, you know, I, the departments get, you know, I got to see great things for the department, but also the DPA. A couple of years ago with uh, Hurricane Harvey, we took a bunch of yeah, uh, stuff to Houston to help those officers and, um, you know, the people there, and the officers, you know, out in like uh, Port Neches and Baton Rouge, we took a bunch, not Baton Rouge, uh, Beaumont, we took a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff out there. So that was, I've been fortunate to do that. Um, well, it goes back to who you are as far as your passion for service. Yeah. Well, you know, even, you know, like I said, I love, I'm from San Antonio. I, you know, I'm, I'm still not a Mavs fan. I'm a Spurs fan. So what? go Spurs, go. Uh, but even um, after, you know, during 7-7, there was a bunch of San Antonio officers that came up here to help us. Uh, about a year after that, on the one-year anniversary, there was an officer that was killed in San Antonio. And there was a funeral down there, and I took a bunch of officers down there to help answer calls. And that was, I loved being able to help san antonio because it was you know my hometown so like i said i i'm very proud of the work i've done i'm not gonna lie um, you should be but um you know i'm proud of this podcast uh you know i, I know it was your idea but uh you know it, it's I, I think pushing you to do it or getting, having to slap you around and say hey you need to not worry about other little bullshit stuff and yeah. suck it up and um, well, it, this podcast is—it's not—it's not just me that sits here, and you know, th there's a lot of little things that have to go on, and you and you and you help you with a lot of things behind the scenes that nobody knows about, and um, it's just, there's just a, there's more than just sitting down and talking, and you know, um, and, and I am very grateful for you. There's one thing that that I know about. I want you to talk on that that you got a phone call up here one day from a from from a lady and it, and you know it's a pretty interesting story yeah I, I told you about this before in another roundabout way mm -hmm. that kind of surprised you with it yeah and I and I and I take for granted that I forgot about it and it was Rob it was this was man this was this might have been like December of 2012 um I was in a rough patch in my marriage, some things had happened that I never really told anybody that was going on. Yeah. I think um, 
probably my best friend, you know, Chris Webb, I, I hadn't even told him about it until I was, I'd moved out about getting divorced. But, um, this was a couple of months after it happened. I got a phone call down here one day and it was, I assumed at the time it was an officer's wife and she was very nervous talking on the phone and saying, Hey, I'm calling, you know, um, she was asking about counseling for her husband or boyfriend. I can't remember what he was. Um, but she was real worried about him getting in trouble. Um, and the whole time talking to her, it was just, I've gotten phone calls like that before here and even since then. And, you know, usually you can gauge talking to someone if, uh, if, if it's a little bit more different, you know, even if it's like a runaway call or a missing person, you know, it's any of those things you like, yeah, there's something, you can tell there's something different. Well, your experience being a cop yeah. kind of gives that. Yeah, so just t- listening to her tell the story, I was like, man, something's off here, but I kept talking to her. I talked to her a long time. I remember um, giving her my cell number, and we got off the landline here, and we talked to my cell. I remember pacing around the meeting hall, and um, she's worried about her boyfriend. He was a vet. I could, I think, just after listening to them for a few minutes or listen, talking to her for a few minutes, I knew he was listening on the call with us. I don't know if she if she was on speaker or what, but I, I knew he was there. He never said anything, but I was talking to her, talking to him. I told them, you know, about everything. I told them about my DWI. I told them about getting fired. And at that time, it was a, I, it was, I, I told them about why I was going to probably get divorced at the time. Um, something that fresh just happened. It was just something that happened in my marriage. And I told them about that before I even told anybody else about it. And we talked a long time, um, man, maybe an hour here while I was working. And then I even got, I think I even got a phone call from her. You didn't really know these people. No, I had no, I had no idea where they were. And, uh, I got a phone call from her even later on when I got home that night because she had my cell and things were fine. Nothing bad happened because I didn't hear anything. But, a, man, maybe the next couple of days, um, J.D. Bias, he was a he's a SWAT negotiator. And I don't think he was a VP at the time, but he was doing a bunch of stuff for us at the time. He's a former vice president for the DPA. Um, he came in the office one day, and I said, man, I got a weird call the other day about um, – I think the officer might have been suicidal, but obviously he didn't do it. And then he kind of gives me a crazy look, and I go – he goes – Somehow, I don't know how it came out, but him and the other negotiators were working the night at the suicide hotline. And they got a call from this same girl and same officer. And so somehow some of the stuff they said scared them off or scared him off to where he didn't want to, because he was really worried about getting in trouble. And I think back then there was a stigma about officers probably being suicidal and then losing their jobs and right. certain things. And, uh, well, it turns out the whole time I was on the phone with the two of them, he had a gun pointed at her, Ugh. and um, I had no clue about this, and I was kind of like, oh, my God. And uh, J.D. was telling me, hey, man, you did a good job, because obviously not gonna, you know, nothing, nothing bad happened. Nothing yeah. bad happened. Um, I think – I don't know if the officer still in the department. He was here a couple of years after, but I, I can't remember if he left. Um. I think that very next golf tournament, man, it was probably nine months later. Um, we were up Cheryl Park. It was, you know, and I was, it was at the end of the golf tournament. I was loading a stupid trailer up, uh, 
you haven't been to one of those golf tournaments because it's a lot more work because we had two courses. Anyway, you know, it was a long day and this guy comes up to me and just hugs me and says, thank you. And he was pretty drunk and uh, he was crying and I knew who he was because later on I found out who the officer I had been talking to was yeah. and it was him. And he knew who I was and I kind of knew who he was. He, he just came up to me, gave me a hug, crying and said, thanks. And, uh, you know, we really, I didn't really say much, I, you know, and, um, we never said anything after that. And, uh, like I said, I'm not sure, I, don't, I can't remember if he's still in the department, I'll have to look, but, um, it was, it, it was very, I guess, rewarding or well, I, I felt come good. full circle. Like yeah. It. Yeah. You know, and I'm glad that he was doing better and that he was not in the place he was anymore. You know, um, you know, you think about all the, some of the, you know, Stuff that the the suicide rate for cops is very high. Yes, you know one of the things um, you know we've that I've seen grow so much here is uh, our counseling program. You know these. You know we got a bunch, we got more counselors now than we ever have. More officers are using it now than they ever have. Their family and kids are using it. Their wives. You know the, these guys. We used to be able to deal with things differently. Um, the releases aren't there. Um, well, we're in a superhero profession, and, and we and, and, and there was a stigma for so long that that's a weakness yeah. if go reaching out for help because we're the ones people come to for help. It's not we don't go to people for yeah. help, and we can't we yeah, can't gotta, have that mentality anymore. It's like putting a layer of paint on something. Like okay, yeah, go to the next day, and then you know you can go. Into, one, you get into one, yeah. well, no, you get in one of these old houses and you start chipping away, and there's like 15 layers. Like how is this? It's just the paint on the outside, and there's nothing left on the inside because yeah. the woods are out of the way. But that wall standing there because of all the paint, and yeah. you know, and it's. I think we we get so desensitized and we forget what we go through. But I think that's one thing that's been. I know in the past 10 years how much I've seen growing. There's so many groups out there. I know there's a lot more people we have coming up. You know that we have planned to talk to that that deal with specifically treating the head in between the ears of officers, and I think yeah. that, that that's very important. Um, I hope this, you know, people out there listening, you know, we get there and they they hear my story, they hear your story, they hear, you know, they heard Ed's story. Mm-hmm. Um, they get to hear more of these officers' stories about struggles and stuff they've gone through, stuff they thought about. That you know that they, they I hope that we can always. Let these people know there's always hope that there's always a light, you know. You got to hold on to that light, that hope that there's you're going to get through the uh, bad times. I know you and I have talked about some things, um, you know that that it's that you can have the hardest, toughest exterior, but you know it's there's you, there's no telling what's going on inside someone's head. And well, a lot of people their they're good at masking it. Yeah, you know, with in memes. a lot of ways, including myself. With I mean, me, with, it, with memes and yeah, well, you hide behind humor and, and, and candy and, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> and pictures uh, and yeah, and stupid pictures, uh, pictures and, of your daughter. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Um, w- moving forward, what's next for Randy Aguilar? I don't want to see you leave here, but I want to know what you want to do to grow. I do not know what's next. I need to, I don't necessarily want to, but I need to leave this place. Um, It's not going to be easy. I have fear of leaving here. Um, I don't have the comforts of a uh, 
having a pension for 25 years. I kind of pissed that away. Um, but I need to move on. I, you know, I don't know how. Um, there's some fear in it that, you know, because there's so much fear of the unknown. Um, there, I know there's lots of things I can do. But, you know, one thing um, I love about this place, I love helping people. I love the flexibility. Um, I love being able to do things like this. Uh, and the relationships. Too, yeah, you, you know, the friendships. You know, and I'm not worried about the friendships. Those are going to be there. Yeah. The good ones are going to be there, and the people that are important to me are going to be there. But what's next, I don't know. I know it's out there. I'll know it when I find it and see it. Um, I Something a good, good friend of ours told me recently, back in January of this year, is, you know, she meant it for one thing, but I've taken it as anything in my life, is, uh, is to live in the infinite moment. I think that's uh, I, I can't worry about what's going to happen two days down the road. I mean, I, I am, but I can't let that freak me out. I got to take, you know, everyone says day by day in sports, the cliche is inning by inning, pitch by pitch, play by play, possession by possession. You know, it's one of those things. I think if uh, most of us just worry about what, you know, be in the moment that you're in, don't worry about um, what's going to happen, you know, two weeks down the road, a month down the road, you know, just, you know, don't, don't, don't. We're getting to that age where, you know, you said we're in our mid-early 40s. Well, fucker, I'm getting ready to be my late 40s, so... Well, I'm, I'm with you. you but, you know, it's one me. of those things, too. So I can't be in a hurry to get to the next phase. i got to enjoy this phase and, um, you know, what you know what's going to happen. I really can't say, you know, there's things out there. I just I just got to figure out what it is I want to do and what I want to be, and uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Maybe someone listening to this will want to come hire me to do something for them. I don't know. They might. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who is there anybody out there that you would like to give a thank you to for that that personally and professionally you want to thank? You got the, you have this platform. Per- personally, you know, man, and I say this I, I don't say this lightly and I know things are different for everybody, but I think I don't think I can thank my mom and dad enough. I'm very, very fortunate that I've had really, really good supportive parents that have, through everything I've been through, that they've been there to, you know, I, I, I'm blessed that way. And I don't take that for granted. Sometimes I do, and I don't mean to rub it in anybody's face. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I'm very, very blessed to have that. Um, personally, you know, I got great friends. You, man, I think uh, the there's a lot more to my life that people don't know that you know, and mm-hmm. I think I can't thank you enough. Um, uh, you know, Chris Webb, and I, you know, like I said, we talk all the time. Like I said, I've shared lots of things with him. But probably professionally, uh, man, the the DPA I can't thank enough from Glenn White to Ron Pinkston to Mike Mata, the presidents here, the leadership here. They've been very good to give us autonomy to make decisions, do things. You know, I, I got my hand slapped on the wrist this past golf tournament uh, for something <laughs> I screwed up. But, you know, it's a decision I made, you know, like I, I'll do it again. Um, but like I said, this the, um, I think the e-board that's here now, they're, they're great. They're working hard. I always sometimes would wonder, like, what's the hands of the DPA going to be in the future? And I think it's going to be in good hands. There's some good young guys that are, doing great stuff um, that I feel comfortable that 
you know, my ego right now might be a little bit too big. I'm afraid to walk away that I think the place will fall apart, which I know it won't. That was probably one of the most humbling experiences I ever had when uh, I was on A-time after I got arrested. Mm-hmm. You know, cops, we think the world revolves around us. And I got back to work. It's like, oh, shit, still, stuff's still going on. People are still calling 911. People are still calling and doing everything. So Ball keeps bouncing. Yeah. It, it, and yeah, that's one thing when it comes to first responders. I think that there's a lot of people that think, wow, you know, hell with this place. I'm going to leave. I'll retire. You know what? The, Dallas PD's been in business since 1881. There's always going to be someone yeah. to replace you. Maybe yep. they won't be as good as you. They're probably going to be better. You they never might know. be more efficient. You never know. Yeah, and it's but. one of those things. But that was a very humbling and hard thing to accept. And I know if that when that happens here, the place will be fine. Um, you know, but like I said, I've been very fortunate uh, – you know, there's a lot of. I went to UTD, and I was there was a you know, and I probably have not done a very good job keeping in touch with some of those instructors out there. But I think there was a lot of good people out there. But you know, just this eboard from the 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 one probably the best thing about my job is I have bosses, but these guys that are kind of my bosses were my friends before, yeah, right. And I think I'm very fortunate for that. You know, like uh, I, I I don't I'm not gonna say I've ever been the best or smartest at all kinds of things, but. One thing I've taken pride in is I've made sure that I've surrounded myself with the right people. Yes, and um, that's important. I don't know. If it, I don't know if it's because I knew what I was doing or just really dumb, dumb, dumb luck. Um, but uh, it's worked out good for me. So I, I, I can't. Sometimes I take that for granted. But I think I've, you know, like I said, it's there's a lot of people. So, but no one in particular. But like I said, most of those guys, the presidents that have been here, you know, that I've worked for, in these e boards, they've all been really, really good taking care of us and they're a joy to work for you know i put an extra effort to make sure they look good right or try to, to at least to to wrap to take this home i want to ask one final question Uh oh. what's your favorite ice cream? never mind if you could talk to a young randy aguilar rookie 20 something year old what would you tell them Um, man, I don't know if I would tell, you know, make better choices. It's a dumb thing. One of the things that I learned after my divorce that I made a mistake, um, on not doing, you know, I try not to, I, one of the things that I've regret things you don't do, don't regret things you do. Right. And that goes back to, uh, man, the NCAA tournament was here. This is back in. 2014, and there was a free concert to see Bruce Springsteen at the, where the old reunion arena was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I dropped Belen off at her mom's, and I could have come down here, could have rode the train, and it was a free concert to see the boss. And I was like, nah, it's too lazy. And um, the next day, I was driving home and I was listening to the ticket, and they were talking about how great that show was. You know they they played all their they played good stuff, but just about how inter- and I was punching my steering wheel because I was so mad at myself for not I didn't have an excuse, so I would I, I tell my younger self don't t- take advantage of that moment, don't think hey it's going to happen again down the road take advantage of that that time you have if you gotta if you get to go see a concert go see that concert if you're going to go take a trip take that trip don't kick the can down the road, take advantage of that, that, you know, like I said, that moment, you know, and I don't know what the hell I was thinking. And since then, 
man, I've been to concerts by myself. I've enjoyed them. You know, I'll sit there and go and just listen to music. And, um, you know, that would be one thing I would tell myself, just take, you know, there's a bunch of other dumb shit I could say, but, you know, just take advantage of those moments and don't, you know, don't, don't not do something and then regret it. I don't know if that makes any sense, but, uh, make sure you do things that you're not going to regret if you don't do them. So I hope that makes sense. Well, you're living life. You, you, you've helped a lot of people. You've helped a lot of officers. You're still helping officers. Yeah. You've helped me. Uh, you're, you're helping this podcast and I can't thank you enough. And I'm very grateful. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap this bitch up and go home. Hopefully this gets said in the other podcasts that come out of this. But if you want more information about the deep, the ATO, go to atodallas.org. Um, you can check out our website, check out all our services. You want to look away to donate, you can. Um, there's a lot of different things on there. Um, we try to keep that up to date as possible. And I meant to write down what our Twitter handle is and our ATO page. But you can go and Google those things and we're there. But if you go to our, our website, you're going to see uh, the podcast will pop up on there and how you can listen. But uh, atodallas.org. Man, thank you for everything. Good job, man. I look forward to you working. Randy's one of our co-hosts moving forward, and you're going to hear his voice. A silent partner. He's a very silent partner, but he is uh, he's a very key component to this. Guys, thanks for listening. Tune in to the next one, and go to atodallas.org for more information, and support us. Bye-bye. Sister, I'll never give up on you. Hey, Mrs. Hey, Mister, I'll see this all the way through. No matter how far the sun and the moon, I'll never give up on you.
Hey, Mrs. Hey, Mister, I'll see this all the way through. No matter how far for the gold and the blue, I'll never give up on you.